Welcome everyone, we are live. My name is Nikki Lopez of Nikki Lopez Creative and you're watching The Circle where every Tuesday, 8.30 to 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, I'm talking to artists, activists, social entrepreneurs, people doing great things in the world today. And today I have a very special guest, Nadine Smith. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Yes, absolutely. And so I'm just gonna, while we're getting live at a few places, I'm just gonna jump right in. So Nadine Smith is uh, co the co-founder and CEO of Equality Florida, the state's largest organization dedicated to ending discrimination based on sexual orientation and gender identity. A former award-winning journalist turned organizer, Nadine is one of four national co-chairs of the 1993 March on Washington. She was also part of the historic Oval Office meeting between the then President Clinton, the first such meeting between a sitting president and gay community leaders. She served on the founding board of the International Gay and Lesbian Youth Organization, which celebrated 30 years in 2014. She is also a Florida Chamber Foundation trustee, board member of Green Florida, and served on President Obama's National Finance Committee. In 2013, was named one of the state's most powerful and influential women by the Florida Diversity Council. She was also given the League of Women's Voters Women of Distinction Award earlier this year. She currently serves the U.S. Commission on C Civil Rights Florida Advisory Committee. She lives in St. Petersburg with her wife, Ad Andrea, and son, Logan. Welcome, welcome, welcome. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yes. Um, so I don't always read the bios, but you know, you just do so much amazing work and why not? <laughs> so, All right. Thank yes. you. I appreciate that. Yes, yes, absolutely. And congratulations on, you know, your many accolades. Um, so we are live right now. We're live on Facebook on a couple of places. We are on, on Nikki Lopez Creative. We're live in the group, The Circle. We're also live on YouTube and Periscope. So, you know, while people are uh, jumping on, we're just gonna jump right into it. Uh, let's see, we have a couple of people. Oh, we already have someone, Sylvia. Good evening, Nikki and guest Nadine. Wow, quite a resume. Hey, Sylvia. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Uh, so, so getting started, what inspired you, initiated your road to activism? Well, you know, I come from a long line of activists. My grandfather uh, was part of the Southern uh, Tenant Farmer Union, which was uh, sharecroppers organizing in Arkansas and Mississippi. And, um, and, you know, they, my grandparents were also part of the first integrated uh, farming co-op in the country in the Mississippi Delta. So, you know, the activism in my family goes goes way back. And you know, my parents instilled in us, you know, the idea that, you know, you're not better than anybody, but nobody's better than you either. And you, you know, you, you have a right to, to uh, exist. You have a right to the pursuit of happiness and don't let anybody tell you otherwise. So they knew they were telling a young black girl that in a world that closed many doors or tried to, but they just didn't know they were also telling a young lesbian that. And, um, and so, um, when I came out to my, uh, my parents, it was the last day I lived under their roof. 
I experienced, uh, you know, homelessness and, uh, you know, as a teen and, and couch surfing and working multiple jobs. But my family, uh, you know, took the journey that most of America has taken on LGBT issues, rejecting mm -hmm. a lot of things that they accepted, they were taught. And, um, and the process of coming out causes people to confront the, the lie with the reality you know, the myth with and the stereotypes with the actual lived experience of knowing people. And so um, my father, uh, my mother passed away um, years ago, 2008, but uh, my father has, they, you know, they both came around. My father's become quite an activist. Um, in fact, when we were doing marriage equality work, I came to, to Panama City, where he still lives, to, to do a meeting there. And I got dressed to go to the meeting and I noticed he was getting up and he was all dressed and ready to go somewhere. I said, where are you going? He said, same place you're going. I'm going <laughs> to the meeting. So, uh, so if somebody had gone back to, you know, the early eighties and told me that my father would be going to a marriage equality meeting with me, uh, and participating as a, as a fellow organizer, I would not have believed them. But as I say, it's the journey of America. That's awesome. That's awesome. And we have Valerie said, great seeds planted by your ancestors. Ashe, indeed. Ashe, absolutely. Um, I, I noticed, I saw in there where you were the co-chair, and I think there was a Women in Network event maybe about a year ago, and they showed uh, the March in Washington, and we saw the young Nadine <laughs> kind of do it oh, again. Yeah. I had my high type fade back then. I had my little... <laughs> yes. Yeah. And so I know you were the co-chair. Why did you feel to get involved? Why did you feel that that was important? Well, the way the march was organized, it started off with local events, you know, local organizing. And you you would go to a local meeting and then there'd be a regional one. And each time you would, you know, the, the group would elect the person to go represent them. And uh, eventually I would, you know, I went from local to regional to state and then state to national. And at my first, uh, national meeting, there was uh, elections for the executive committee and for co-chairs and, and I was one of the four people elected. So each step of the way, I wasn't, I, you know, uh, we were building the, the organizing structure as we went. There was, so I didn't have an ambition to be co-chair. It, you know, mm -hmm. it just happened to, uh, to be by the, by the time we'd gotten there, you know, I and, and others, uh, you know, had a vision of how we wanted to do this, the racial equity we wanted to build into it. Um, the voices of younger, younger activists, which I was back then. <laughs> mm -hmm. So there were a lot of things that sort of, sort of made it the right place for me to, to, to step in. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, how do you define uh, civil rights and how does LGBTQ rights, how they equal, how do they connect to civil rights or human rights? Well, you know, I, I mean, I, I think of them as the, the rights that we are, that are ours by virtue of our existence. Um, they're not bestowed. They're not granted. The only question is, will they be protected or not? Mm -hmm. And so the work uh, that I've dedicated my uh, adult life to it has been to secure the protection of those rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, to be able to um, not have a guaranteed outcome, but but have a guarantee that I'll have the opportunity to go for it, to try, and 
if I fail, it won't be because of artificial obstacles put in my path. And so, uh, you know, I remember early in organizing, people would say, well, which is worse, racism or homophobia? It's like, well, <laughs> it depends on which one you're experiencing. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I have experienced racism my entire life. Uh, but when I lost a job because I was gay, I didn't go, oh, thank goodness it wasn't racism. You know, <laughs> yeah. it, you know so it's, um, you know, they're, they grow from the same root. They are based in the same kind of uh, supremacist ideology and, uh, you know, and you, so much of the work is making sure that there's a place where you don't have to choose between identities. You know, I don't have to decide I'm a woman today. I'm, I'm a lesbian. I'm, I'm black. I'm all those things all the time, all at once. And I have a right to exist and, and be safe wherever I am and not have to, uh, uh, hide who I am to, to secure myself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And do you see, because sometimes um, there's a disconnect for some people who may not fall into those categories of why that work is important. How can you share with them, like someone who feels like, well, I'm not black or I'm not gay. And so that's not my problem. Um, how do you, what are some things that people could do to kind of connect the, you know, the dots for them? Well, you know, I, I think it was Dr. King who said that the civil rights movement was not just about the uplift of black people, but it was about injecting a glorious new strain of love into the veins of society. And mm -hmm. so for me, this work is, is cultural work as well as political work. It is carving out space for us to all be our authentic selves. And, and I think that so much of the, the work of the LGBTQ community has been about saying you you get to be who you are, you know, mm -hmm. and uh, you know I think people can relate to that. They don't have to be part of the LGBTQ community to relate to that sense of wanting to be their authentic selves. Maybe you don't believe the same religion that your family was raised in. Maybe you don't believe in religion at all. Maybe you uh, don't want to follow the family business, and you have uh, you know you don't want to be the fifteenth accountant in the family. Mm -hmm. uh, you have. Uh, a more of an artistic dream. All of these moments where we, where we come out and we face uh, the possibility of rejection, are the are the places that I think the LGBTQ community has has sort of paved the way. I remember in the midst of of uh, the AIDS crisis, as we were just coming to understand what was what was killing so many within our community, we forged incredible bonds of love and trust and family that had nothing to do with bloodlines. And I know there were so many, so many times when, when relatives who had not been there for, for their son or their brother showed up in the hospital in those final days and, and were always astounded that there was a network of, you know, gay men, lesbians, straight, straight friends sometimes who were caring for this person that they had no blood tie with. And, and so I do think that we do inject a glorious new strain of love. And, and I also think that uh, there's a way that there, there's a unique place that uh, anti-LGBTQ hatred um, occupies. I mean, something that is potent enough to sever the bond between a parent and a child. Mm. is a very toxic and dangerous thing. Mm -hmm. And I think confronting that um, 
helps to shift society in a positive way. Mm -hmm. We have a couple of people. Well, we have Thomas from the Facebook group saying he's the ally. Thank you. Um, he says he's an ally. Um, we also have Jane Kramer, um, Jane and Trish. Uh, Nadine, thank you so much for all the amazing work you've done over the years. You inspire us. Thanks, Jane. Good to see your face. Yes, yes. What do you feel are some challenges or opportunities that may lie in the type of work that you do? Uh, challenges or opportunities. I, I mean, I think what's really exciting about the work right now is that, you know, as a nation, uh, you know, there, there's a different level of facing up to America's history, uh, white supremacy, and not just the legacy of it, but the ongoing uh, system of oppression. And, you know, so as a, as a country, I feel like we are we are what feels like extraordinary division is because there are people willing now to hear and tell the truth and people who are afraid of owning up to that truth. And so it is in a sense, a battle for the soul of America, the actual America, the flawed America, that if we can confront it, we can repair it. And if we continue to deceive ourselves, it will continue to fester into a place that is not stable, that is un, uh, unsustainable. So I, I think that, you know, right now the, the folks who are willing to tell the truth about America um, are asserting and, and shaping the conversation now uh, more than those who wanna, who wanna fall back on a big lie. Mm and I see someone in the Facebook group trying to tag some people. You won't be able to tag them if they're not in the group, but you could send them over to the Nikki Lopez creative page and they could uh, join the conversation and watch along. Um, I, I know the, um, I saw where you were an award-winning journalist before a lot of this work. Do you pull any of that journalistic skills or you know, into the work that you do now? Yeah, I was a reporter. I was actually a porter, reporter for WUSF, which was the NPR affiliate, and then for the Tampa Tribune. And it's interesting because as a reporter, you know, you interview people, you hear all sides, and then you you put forward the best, you know, ideas to, to help people understand. And so for me, I covered, I covered a, a range of beats. I covered the police beat. I covered politics. And I remember... Um, there was a human rights ordinance that was brought up by a straight ally, uh, a Unitarian pastor in Tampa. And because I was a reporter, I'd be back, you know, where city council members are. And so I got to hear their comments, uh, not the ones they were saying in public and mm. in political, political speak, but their unvarnished comments uh, in the, literally in the back room and the homophobic slurs and the, and the ugly ugliness and, you know, it was understood when you're back there, you're off the record. And and it reached a place where I I felt like there is an inherent contradiction here. There is a, um, a objectivity is not actually producing truth. It's it is um, it's, it's actually obscuring truth. And so for me, activism became a way of saying I um, I have a point of view. I I have. 
I have weighed the issues and I, and I've come to a conclusion and I want to act on that. So, um, so I didn't start off. I, I think my activism began in the background. I was writing uh, press statements and, and speeches for other people. And one day somebody didn't show up who was supposed to give the speech and we were all just kind of pushing the paper back and forth. No, you read it. And then finally, like you wrote it, you read it. And I did. I think I, I think the paper was shaking like half an inch from my nose as I read it. And um, the next day in the paper, it said activist Nadine Smith. And I thought, that's that's it. Just you show up and, you know, there's no <laughs> I don't know what I thought activists were, but mm -hmm. apparently I'd become one. So mm -hmm. I thought if it's showing up and being willing to say what you think, I can do that. I can do that. So I've been trying to do that for a few decades now. Mm hmm. Is, is interesting because, you know, there, there are many who feel, and I feel that way too, that nothing happens by chance, you know, and then, you know, like you said, hey, that's all you got to do, show up. Yeah, show up, do something, show up, take an action. So, and you're just repeatedly doing those things. Yeah, I mean, I mean it when I say to people, you never know whether your story, your presence, your, you know, I, I remember I came back from the March on Washington and of course, 93 is an awful long time ago. I know there, there are people watch your show who weren't born. I'm not even going to ask, you know, anything, you know, but, but in, you know, we had a million people that came to the, to the March on Washington. It was just as the internet, like AOL was just coming mm -hmm. uh, out and, you know, to organize that many people pre-internet was, was pretty amazing. So I came back to Florida and I was asked to be in pride events and, and do different things. And I, I reached a point of such overwhelm. And I was at the Tampa pride event. And I said, is there just a room I can be away from all of the noise just to get my head together? Mm. Um, because the other thing is that people who came to the event want to, you know, it's like, there's a million of you, but there's just one of me. So anyway, so I, I, I got this into this little room at, a bar called uh, Trax El Goya. Some folks will remember that. It was a landmark. Anyway, so I was in this little room by myself and this young guy came in and he said, are you Nadine? And I was like, yeah. And you know, when you're not wanting to be rude, but you're really trying to not have a conversation. So I was given you know, short, pleasant, but one word answers that did not invite further conversation, but he did not stop. And he um, had gone to the march and I was like, that's great. But slowly, as he did refuse to leave or, you know, wasn't taking any of my cues, he began to tell me how his father ran, uh, was the director of an organization that had been a huge nemesis of ours. Like one of the main organizations that was uh, responsible for a lot of the anti-LGBT organizing in the Tampa Bay area. I'm like, that's your father? And he said, yeah. And he said, you know, when I came out to him because of the march, it really caused a ripple in, in the organization where there were some people that tried to force him out and then other people who, who fought to keep him. And, you know, now he has my full attention and he describes basically how his coming out set into motion uh, this thing that divided that organization and the homophobes were forced out. And his father said, I stand with you. And, and that organization went from being our worst nemesis to, to not bothering us at all. And here I was kind of like, I, I don't have time for you, but really he had made the, the place where I actually lived safer 
by the act of coming out to his father. So I agree with you. There are moments where you have no idea the domino, the thing that the ripple effect of your action, your visibility. Um, and it happens over and over again in this work. So I, I say to people, you don't need anyone to tell you you're an activist. You don't need a newspaper article. All you have to do is believe your life is worth fighting for your, your happiness is worth fighting for. And, and then show up in the places where your voice can make a difference. Absolutely. Oh, we have Valerie saying, wow. <laughs> hey, Valerie. <laughs> and we have Dee Palazzo. All right. Yes. Dee Palazzo's yes. Save and Healthy Schools Director at Equality Florida. Absolutely. Thank you, Nikki, for asking the broad questions to Nadine. You offer us the ability to hear the vision and insight Nadine shares. Absolutely. All right. <laughs> and we have Raquel Lope saying so true. Hey there, Raquel. Yes, absolutely. Um, what is Equality Florida? I know many of us on the call knows what it is, but for someone who absolutely has no idea, they just saw the t the title. What, what? How do you describe Equality Florida and the work that? Equality yeah, we're the statewide LGBTQ education and advocacy organization. So we do a lot of work, whether it's uh, stopping bullying in our schools and not just stopping bullying, but making our schools safe and healthy places for young people who are part of the LGBTQ community and others to, to live and, and thrive. You know, because bullying uh, creates the bully, but it also creates the, the bullier. And, you know, when you learn that it's okay to bully in school, you learn that it's okay to do violence in the streets. You learn that it's okay to discriminate in the workplace. So investing deeply in the work in the schools short circuits all of that and creates an environment where all students know they're going to be respected and protected. We also have TransAction, which is our, um, you know, uh, trans advocacy um, organization. And I, I, I do want to um, acknowledge that in South Florida today, um, another life was taken, another transgender person's life uh, has been taken in what is, you know, easily an, an epidemic and um, a violence that the trans community is experiencing. And um, in fact, I think there were actually two trans murders today, one in Florida and um, one in Mississippi. So, um, you know, just, Rest in peace to Kimmy Icon Braxton. And you know, it's a reminder of, of the work that we have to do and the, and the challenge of that work. Um, when you talk about uh, people having the opportunity to be their authentic selves. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, we work with the business community. We, you know, there are a lot of businesses that, that tell us that they're good on these issues, that they care about uh, who we are, but then we give them an opportunity to uh, walk the talk and to show up in ways that that matter. Um, I mean, one of the most important things we've been working on has been ending discrimination in uh, employment, housing, and public uh, public accommodations. And we've just had a really huge victory on that front. Um, just so everybody knows, everyone who watches this, everyone watching now, anyone who watches later knows that anywhere in the state of Florida, if you experience discrimination because of your sexual orientation or because of your gender identity, you are now protected under the state civil rights act mm. in housing, employment, and public accommodations. You have the right to seek justice 
and the Florida Commission on Human Relations, which is the agency tasked with enforcing Florida's Civil Rights Act, uh, has now stated publicly that they will abide by the Supreme Court ruling back in June in the Bostock versus Clayton case, which um, basically concluded that sex discrimination includes sexual orientation and gender identity. And this is really huge. And it's really important that people understand that no matter where you live, you know, you don't have to just live in the uh, in the place where 60% of the population lives that is protected by local ordinances, wherever you live, up in the panhandle where I grew up, down in South Florida, doesn't matter. This mechanism for seeking justice is available to you. And I really want to encourage people to use this tool if you have experienced discrimination. And um, by all means, reach out to Equality Florida if you're having any, any uh, challenges. You can go to our website, eqfl.org. We have a discrimination reporting form that can help us even get uh, some of the national legal groups uh, connected uh, if you have the kind of case that they're willing to, to help with. So, so please do, uh, you know, assert those rights in the places if you experience discrimination at all. And if you see it, because sometimes you may not experience it, but if you see it, if you're a witness to that, you know, I think you should also um, step up to the plate and, 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 and talk about that as well. Absolutely. You know, <clears throat> silence is consent and it's also complicity. And, and uh, you know, one of the things we learn about bullying is that it's the bystanders that have, have the power really to stop it. And, you know, just the just stepping in, because when you're a silent bystander to things, the perpetrator assumes your, your silence is because you're on their side. Mm -hmm. but you even, not only are you on their side, but your silence is sort of your way of cheering them on. And mm -hmm. so the ability to say, hey, man, knock it off, that's not okay. Mm -hmm. uh, to, to demonstrate your displeasure, your, that you're not going along with it, mm -hmm. psychologically goes a long way to interrupt that. You know, and you see it all the time in, in schools where, where somebody's being picked on and, and one person will say, hey, knock it off, leave them alone. Mm -hmm. And the person will be like, hey, don't be so, you know, hey, I was just kidding around. But they'll mm -hmm. stop because they got the message that their social set is not supporting that, that behavior. The same is true in workplaces. The same is true in public. And at a time when, you know, the rise of Donald Trump has, has emboldened people to be outrageous, to be uh, confrontational, to to bully in broad daylight. It's mm -hmm. even more important that we not be bystanders, that we not just sort of quietly think that's terrible, that we actually um, align ourselves with the person who's being targeted, that we, that we interrupt that process and not let the bully think that they are somehow speaking for us. Mm -hmm. You know, and um, well, now my son is uh, being homeschooled, but when he was go to school, I'd ask him, are you being bullied? No. Is someone bullying you? No. Did you see somebody being bullied? You know? So it's just like, it's not even, yeah. if, if, if I want, if you're there, I want you to say something always and keep saying something until somebody pays you some attention. So that's definitely something that you have to, that's a big point. Um, I think, oh, Sylvia was saying that's a great, um, uh, it should be nationwide about the discriminatory. Yeah, well, and, and arguably it is. Really, the, the Bostock uh, decision really made clear that, that sex discrimination is discrimination based on sexual orientation and gender identity. And really what the Florida Commission on Human Relations uh, did earlier, or 
late last month was say without you know they clarified as only a handful of states have done so so far i think nine um have clarified that they will abide by that ruling and so um it it you know these are the rights that we ought to assert anywhere in the country and certainly here in florida the door to the florida commission on human relations is open mm-hmm you know, I guess um, Valerie, she was adding to that point. Great point, Nikki. Even if you see it, that's so true, Nadine. Silent bystanders hinder justice being served. Indeed. Absolutely. Yeah. And oh, uh, Valerie, so grateful for you both. Amazing work. And thank you for the courage, for your courage and strength. Valerie, if I'm having a down day, I'm just going to have to hit you up on, on Facebook for some encouragement because yeah, she's serving it. Thank you. <laughs> I, I personally know Valerie. I, I don't even want to say how many years because I might out my age and I don't identify with my age. <laughs> <laughs> but she is definitely one of those people that's just like the wind beneath your wing, the smiles, the encouragement. And so, yes. Um, so. Yeah. It's definitely appreciated. You and I were talking before the show about, you know, being parents and, 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 you know, and the struggle of COVID in the, in the uh, parenting in the midst of COVID and, you know, just the stress, you know, we, I I think it's so important that we, that we do lean on each other. The executive director of uh, the National Center for Lesbian Rights, Imani, she texted me out of the blue this morning, just, you know, just a, a little note of encouragement and it came just at a moment where I was just dealing with it. I was going through it. And I said, you must have felt the disturbance in the force. <laughs> but uh, I think those little moments, are they matter so much because, you know, mm-hmm. uh, no matter what we're posting on Facebook or what, what else we're doing, we're all going through it. And, you know, uh, we're supposed to look out for each other. So. Absolutely. And I, I've been seeing some memes where they say, you know, and I relate to that, you know, like uh, check in on your strong people, you know, because a lot of times, you know, the strong person, they're strong a lot of times, not by choice, but by circumstances, by what they had to go through. And we have to check in and be even more mindful with each other. So um, just because yeah. someone's not posting, they're in a bad mood on Facebook, you still have to say, hey, what's going on? Are you good? Because there's a lot of people um, who are under a lot of stress and anxiety, and especially when an individual is not familiar with stress, anxiety, trauma, PTSD, they don't even know it. They just figure, you know, they're just going through it and don't know that they're going through those things because they're not familiar with that. So, yeah, no, I, I've, I've had, it matters a lot and I really appreciate it because I, you know, I, I think that, um, you know, I think we have an epidemic. We have multiple epidemics. We have COVID. We have the epidemic of racism, uh, but we also have an epidemic of loneliness and COVID. And 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 I mean loneliness, not just people alone, but disconnected. And I think so much of what we're seeing in America right now is related to that disconnection. I think QAnon. You know, these bizarre conspiracy theories. These. Uh, you know, the guy apologizing to Anderson Cooper, I'm sorry, I thought that you ate babies. I mean, you just go, how did you, as a as an adult capable of functioning in the day-to-day world, ever find yourself falling down a rabbit hole where that <laughs> is a possible thought to enter your mind? Mm. But I think that, it, you know, in the same way that, that gangs can create the, the only sense of connection and, and family and neighbor, you know, just these bonds that people are hungry for, you know, this, uh, you know, conspiracy theories 
also forge that bond of being an insider, of being part of a of of the the set. You're in there. You are known and you are respected. You know, and it may be the only place that you get respect. And mm -hmm. so I do think that um, the level of isolation. You know, it's like social media leaves us more exposed to each other and less connected to each other. Mm. We know a lot, we see a lot, but we don't really, you know, there, there are people I know that their cat died. I know what, I know they're going through these other things, but I don't really, really know what's going on. And um, I just think that uh, what we are, what we are seeing, you combine all of these epidemics, COVID, uh, racism and isolation, and it is a dangerous brew mm -hmm. of, um, and, and we saw it, you know, we, we've seen it throughout the Trump years, but it, it didn't start with him. It doesn't end with him. But we saw it on January 6th at the Capitol where, um, you know, somebody runs a pool company, somebody runs a paint store where seemingly, you know, everyday Americans overwhelmingly white, overwhelmingly, you know, um, fearful of a multiracial America could be drawn together under under such an obvious lie. And it's just a very, you know, that part of, of what's going on in America, um, it, it, you know, it's like it's easy to, to, to joke that as the FBI rounds up the January 6th traitors that a lot of mothers are getting their basements back. I get that joke. And at the same time, what is embedded in that joke is a recognition of of this idea of these sort of disconnected kind of misfits mm -hmm. uh, trying their best through violent means to fit in and be the heroes of the story. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I see, oh, my fellow board member for Island City stage, Nikki, you're one of the strong ones. Yeah, <laughs> I have my moments, but uh, I'm not always strong. Definitely, for sure. <laughs> I think that's just, I think maybe Harvey was saying that's why I'm checking on you. <laughs> oh, yes, 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 please do. Yes, because sometimes people think, I've literally had people, oh, you're, you've gone through so much. You're doing okay. And I'm like, no. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. So, I yes, um, thanks for the correction. But yes, I'm definitely um, someone that, you know, feel free to check in on me. <laughs> um. We have Pat Padilla, so proud of Nadine and all that she's accomplished. Thank you so very much. Hey, Pat. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. Always good to hear from Pat. One of one of our uh, Equality Florida board members from the early days. Mm. Yes, and still still engaged in our Council of Leaders. Nice, nice. Outside of what we may already know about you or can look up online, what is something that people that you're comfortable with sharing that people may not know about you? <laughs> uh, let's see. I played. Uh, uh, I was in the in in uh, Voodoo Macbeth, which I played uh, the uh, the Thane of Ross in a production of Voodoo Macbeth, and Voodoo Macbeth was a uh, a version of Macbeth that was created because uh, black actors were not permitted to perform as Macbeth, uh, uh, perform Shakespeare wow. on Broadway. And so that changed the name of it. Nothing else changes, although it was, I, 
ostensibly set in Haiti, but not really. And, um, and so they had to find a director who was willing to sort of risk their reputation to direct a, an all black cast because they wouldn't let there be white directors. Wow. Uh, I mean, black directors. And so, uh, a young, uh, director named, um, Oh my gosh, I just forgot his name. He was he was uh Rosebud. Let's see. Uh somebody somebody in the chat. Um Citizen Kane. Uh we will sell no wine before Orson Welles. Mm. Orson Welles directed it. So anyway, so many, many decades later, uh theater companies, black theater companies in particular, pay tribute to Voodoo Macbeth. So that's a little thing that I do on uh, uh, any chance I get is uh, act. So it's completely outside my comfort zone. It's so far away oh, wow. from what I, I do um, in organizing. Because I, I kind of, I'm a little bit of a Vulcan in my organizing. I just, I think tactically. So mm -hmm. it's really nice for me to be able to just uh, give myself over to a role. And I also played uh, uh, Titania in Midsummer Night's. Uh, Midsummer Night's Dream. So. Oh, nice. Yeah. Awesome. Valley said, nice voodoo Macbeth. <laughs> I've I got to look it up. That's that's interesting. <laughs> yeah, well, the, that one I got to have, a, I got to have a, a beard and a little mustache and a, and a sword. And then oh. uh, Titania was more like a, a high drag queen. So I got to play along <laughs> that spectrum. So it was, a, it was a lot of fun. Awesome. Awesome. Thanks for sharing that. <laughs> um, do you have any self-care practices? Uh, probably not enough. Um, you know, I have a dog, so taking my dog for a walk. Um, I, I drink a lot of water and it, this would be a good time for a product placement for our love wins mugs. Actually, these are the, these are the uh, tumblers from after the mar our marriage equality victory in court. Um, where plaintiffs got to get married in the judge's chambers. Um, yeah, just hydrate, try to sleep, uh, exercise a little bit, and um, and just try to not uh, not let it get to you. You know, doing this work, we tend to see. You know, if you're doing advocacy work, you tend to see people going through it. You know, people in crisis, people who have experienced. You know, it's just some really ter terrible things, and 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 finding a way to be empathetic and to be present for it, but not to carry it because it will. Mm -hmm. You know, for me, it it I have to have a a way of letting letting it move through me, not not hang on to me. Mm -hmm. um, but mostly, I I think my uh, I try to stay focused on what got me here to begin with. I you know I have said before that I want to be the adult I wish I had been in my life when I was a kid. Mm. And so it's deeply satisfying to me now that in, in my, in where I grew up in Bay County, Florida, you know, there are GSAs, there's training for, um, you know, for principals, for teachers that Dee Palazzo has, uh, you know, worked on and, and the organizations in the panhandle, the community center, others have worked on, you know, and so the, the circumstances that I would have loved that I could, you know, that I literally could not imagine having as a kid are now available to a generation. Mm -hmm. So that keeps me fired up. And, um, you know, I don't burn out because anger is not the only thing, you know, that I, that motivates my, 
my activism. It's, um, I think we're supposed to look out for each other. I think love is the most powerful force there is that exists and that um and when you tap into it it will it will strengthen and renew you so mm. i don't feel yes. burnt out yes well said well said absolutely <laughs> if you had access to a time machine where would you go and why the past or the future oh wow um <laughs> i honestly i wouldn't use it mm. I wouldn't use it. I, you know, I think that we are, uh, you know, we're made for the time we're in, you know, um, and and I wouldn't wish myself into those past circumstances, nor would I wish anybody into these circumstances. So, um, yeah, I'd, if I went backwards, I messed things up, you know. I'd, I'd get in the way of something that was supposed to happen, and going into the future might uh, it might either dispirit me or or give me the message that I can just relax as all it all gets handled and end up not doing my job in the relay race. So I want to carry the baton the full distance for my time, um, and I'm content with that. So it just sit in my garage. <laughs> I hear that. That's, that's an interesting, interesting answer. But yeah, I totally get that. Absolutely. Yeah. How can people support Equality Florida or get involved with Equality Florida and find out what's going on? Yeah, well, we definitely need you. Uh, the legislative session is about to start. I shared the good news that the civil rights laws in the state of Florida apply to you, to all of us and that there's a, a path if you experience discrimination through the Florida Commission on Human Relations. That's the great news. The tougher news is that every legislative session, we see bills that are aimed at uh, put a target on our back, you know, to score political points. We see this year in and year out, and particularly ones that are aimed at the uh, trans community. So um, we really, you know, we need you. We need you to help with lobbying. Tonight we had, I think, 62 volunteers uh, who have been doing um, Zoom meetings with legislators to talk about the bills we want them to pass and the ones we want them to stop. And bill filing isn't over, so we don't even know exactly what's coming our way uh, in terms of bills that could do us harm. So we have an incredible field organization. Uh, a, a you know, I get phone calls from people who've been through the training just to tell me how good the training was. Um, so... I will tell you that if you participate in, in lobby days, uh, virtually or in person, you're going to feel really good about yourself. It is an exercise in self-love. It is an opportunity to connect with people who care about things that matter to you as well. And if you go to our website, equalityflorida.org or eqfl.org, you, um, you can volunteer. You can sign up to be a part of our, our lobby days. But there's things that happen all year round, um, local organizing, statewide organizing, national organizing that we're a part of. And, you know, honestly, what I love about the work I do is the quality of people that I get to spend time around because these are people with big hearts and, uh, you know, they, they're thinkers and they're doers and they, um, and, you know, the best people I know I, I get to work shoulder to shoulder with. So I invite you to be part of that. And uh, again, eqfl.org, just sign up and we will connect you with what's going on. 
Awesome. Awesome. Thank you. And for those watching on Facebook, I had it on the ticker, but I did put the uh, website and the Facebook and Instagram in the comment section. So um, you could just click on any of those links to get more information and connect with Nadine and all the work of Equality Florida. <laughs> so. So did oh. you go backwards or forwards in your time machine? Um, <laughs> hmm. You know, <laughs> someone did stop me because, you know, I kind of, I, I love to ask that question. Um, and then someone asked me that question. I think I would want to go to the past just to kind of check in with some things that I felt like, you know, um, uh, I was very close with my grandmother and she's someone that I feel like that connection helped me through a really traumatic period of my life that I had to survive. And I think that longing for her, that connection to her, that, you know, like I, even though I, I don't go to church, but I'll put up a Christmas tree with my son because it just reminds me of my grandmother. And right. so I think going back to a time uh, to spend a little more time with her or going back to one of the memories that I that held me through those crisis moments would be something that I'd want to experience again, you know, she's no yeah. longer with us. So I think that would be, you know, but, you know, I, I, I like what you said, because like, if you, you don't want to go back and change things, you don't want to like, feel like, okay, I got, you know, we're good 20 years from now, so I can relax. And, <laughs> <laughs> and I think, um, you know, especially when you've gone through things and a lot of times our go-to is like, I wish that never happened, but getting to a space where you realize that all of those things made you who are, who you are right now, who I am, who mm -hmm. I need to be, who I yeah. need to be for the world. And so um, I was just catching as, as a, a glimpse of an interview with um, Oprah and Cicely Tyson and how she said like all the negative things that happened, she actually thanked them for happening because it fueled her surviving. So with that type of concept and just kind of getting to that awareness, I wouldn't want to go back to change anything, but I definitely would like to go back to kind of, you know, relish in some moments you know, um, that are in my memory or faded out, or I remember the picture, like I remember the picture and not the memory. So, right. Yeah. Now that makes sense. And I, you know, I, I do think that, um, you know, it's not an accident that oftentimes LGBTQ people are, you know, tops in our field We're you know, best employees, best this, best that, because so much of our lives, uh, we've often had to compartmentalize and, and a sense of if I can excel that when this information about me, the secret is revealed, I might have banked enough points that I won't lose everything. And, mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, I'm not saying that we're better at everything. Research is saying that. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> but, you know, I do think I that, that. <laughs> that there's a, um, that there's a, a drive to, to sort of, if if I can if I can earn enough if I can be enough if I can excel enough, then you know maybe my family won't reject me or maybe my social set or or whatever, and and so I am glad that I've been through what I've been through. I am glad that I, you know, experienced a, a kind of familial rejection that made me have to be resilient. Like for the march on Washington, I showed up in D.C. with no money, hmm. <laughs> you know. 
but confident that I was going to be okay, you know, because I'd been through that uh, experience of being uh, broke and navigating, you know. Um, I, you know, I traveled all over Europe with no money and, you know, got jobs along the way and slept outdoors. And But I gained the confidence that, you know, whatever life throws at me, I'll navigate it because I can. And I, so I wouldn't trade any of that. Um, if anything, I, w I wish I had done it all sooner and faced yeah. faced my greatest fears earlier and got it, you know, got it over with. But, um, you know. <laughs> sure. but yeah, I, I like, I like that um, I get to be me and I don't much, you know, it doesn't much matter to me whether everybody in the world likes me. I like me. I'm doing okay. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. We have Grecia from Femin Africa. Thank you both for being so inspiring. <laughs> thank you for uh, being here. Thank you. I appreciate that. These are nice. Yes. This is nice. I, you know, Nikki, if I'd known this, I'd come on sooner. <laughs> <laughs> I know we've been trying to work on it. <laughs> yeah. Talking to Ro. And it says Tuesday. She's like, okay, I got Nadine. She's available Thursday. I'm like, it's a Tuesday show. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. In due time, right? So exactly, exactly. See, yeah. if we had a time machine, we wouldn't go back. This was the yeah. right time. Absolutely. There was someone that I shared that you were on here, and they're like, "Oh my God!" What after that big news? I said, "You know, it's purely coincidence. We had this date, you know, and it just so happened. It's like right after great news. So, um, but yeah, everything and um, just you know, being able to have faith in that and trust that, that things happen and you can't rush it. And, you know, so. Yeah. That's, you know, I, in terms of self-care, I try to keep that practice. And my wife and I were talking last night about, you know, sort of what's your spiritual beliefs. I said, you know, I, I've said that um, my only prayer is this or something better. Like my life is great or, you know, or something be better, but I'm not really praying to, anything i'm just sort of like mm -hmm. you know an affirmation but it feels like gratitude if i had to label my faith it would be gratitude just sort of like mm -hmm. we get to be on this ride it's it's wild mm -hmm. <laughs> we get to participate in it and um and so i want to make sure that i'm brave enough to really enjoy it and and seize opportunities um to make a difference so Absolutely. I have a friend, she um, always says, uh, what is it? Uh, gratitude is the attitude for altitude. <laughs> mm. I can feel that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I can't steal it. She says it too much, so I can't, you know, so, <laughs> but I, I like, I like to hear that, you know, so. Um, we have Kim Jay, who's a musician who's also been on the circle um, a while back. Uh, thanks, Nadine, for all you do. Thank you, Nikki, for your dedication and inspiring guests. Absolutely. Thank you for being Thank here. Thank you, Kim. And Tabitha Mudra of the 1310 Bandits sending some hearts and rainbows. Thank all you. Right. <laughs> Can never have enough of those. So, um, yeah, any, any final thoughts, any final words? I, um, uh, you know what? Um, I would just say you, every every one of us, every person listening, you have a circle of influence that nobody else can touch. No organization, no politician. Uh, and so uh, you speaking up and speaking out in those spaces matters. Um, 
I encourage you to, to do that. Use your voice. And if you want to find a place to amplify your voice and amplify your power to make change, then uh, sign up to be part of equalityflorida.org and uh, join us, whether it's for lobby days, whether it's for uh, local organizing, um, be a part of this team. We need you and uh, you will be arriving just in time. Absolutely. Absolutely. We have uh, Valerie, always super inspiring. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Um, so yes, it was uh, a pleasure to have you here, a pleasure to finally connect with you and spend a little time. And I didn't know you did some acting, so that's really cool to find out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, next time I'll tell you about my, my secret um, rap battle life. <laughs> We're out of time today, folks. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, I would definitely look forward to having you on again. Um, I just know I'm, I'm really grateful for this time for you to share and, you know, get some more backstory and to be able to share that with, you know, my audience, whoever else may uh, come in contact with this. And um, yeah, I did see that on Twitter. I was going to ask you about it. When we get to it. <laughs> yes. All yes. right. Um, Oh, so, oh, Jane, looking forward to when we can get together again for Gallus. Yes. Indeed. I am missing those so much. I mean it. When I say the best people I get to, I get to work with, are, I mean, volunteers, our donors, our, our staff, our board, our council leaders, just amazing, amazing people. And I miss, I mean, I just miss hugging necks and, and hanging out over, you know, nice hors d'oeuvres and just being with the being with the whole crew all across the state. So I'm looking forward to that too, Jane. Yes, absolutely. I, I, I had the honor of being one of the featured artists at uh, Equality Florida's yes. Gala. Yes. yes, and I, I just actually, uh, maybe a couple months ago, um, uh, yeah, I have some pictures. I did some live art. So it was really a great experience and you know, um, being able to give that piece to um, as a donation. So it was fun. Gala. Mm -hmm. That was wonderful. That yes. was wonderful. In yes. fact, one of uh, one of the artists who uh, similarly did a, a a live art piece in Tampa got the commission to do a big art installation for the Super Bowl. Mm, wow! But it's just you know it's just wonderful that these these uh, you know the mix of art and culture and politics mm -hmm. you know they're all they're all threads and they all weave together and that's how change comes. You have to change the culture. And sometimes culture changes politics and sometimes politics change the culture. And right at the center of it is the art, the music, the visual arts, those things that kind of speak that language that connects us uh, beyond language. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. So thank you, Nadine. I know we went way past the half an hour, um, but I appreciate you um, hanging on a little bit longer and I appreciate all the comments and guests that are on the live. Um, we're live a couple of places and um, by the end of the week, this usually gets uploaded to podcasts. So on your favorite podcast, you could find The Circle. So um, thank you again to all the people who are watching this live and the people who are watching this, going to watch this on a replay. Um, if you're watching this live, please consider sharing this information. There's someone in your circle, your network, your family, your friend that, you know, they just need to watch this video and they're going to be inspired to do something and you're going to be the cause of that. <laughs> so uh, definitely um, 
uh, please consider sharing this. Uh, this The Circle is brought to you by What's Your Elephant? It is a movement that uses the arts to create a safe space to talk about everything unspoken. Uh, if you would like to more information about the organization and the work that I do, you can go to whatsyourelephant.org. You can also go to the link tree. Um, I'm doing a couple of things with um, a couple of projects that's connected to the arts and um, doing something with the why I'm going to have a conversation this Thursday about uh, some of the black legacy of Broward County and talking with some artists and people that grew up in, in that space. So definitely um, check it out and uh, also to look for Equality Florida and uh, connect, volunteer, donate, share, buy something, buy a mug. I don't know if those mugs are still available, but definitely uh, support. And um, thank you all again. And Nadine, have a great rest of your evening. Thank you. It's great yeah. to see you. Absolutely. Take care. Good night. Bye-bye.